My name is Ali Pintucci, and this is Unfiltered, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media and talk about anything and everything uncensored. From girl talk to personal wellness, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate through adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Episode one is all about dating, love, and relationships, and I couldn't think to have anyone better to kick off the podcast than you, Kelsey Grant. Thank you. Hi. Hi. How are you? <laughs> Fabulous. Everyone's in for a treat. I know they are. Because we're like best friends. I know. So, so hopefully great. we just don't laugh this entire episode. We might. Yeah, we're going to for sure. <laughs> um, okay. So I'm going to give everyone a quick intro. Cool. Um, and read your bio out to everyone. And then if it's wrong. I'll correct you. You can correct me. <laughs> Okay. Okay. So as a love and relationship educator rooted in radical self-love methodology, Kelsey writes, speaks, and teaches both men and women the art of accessing greater alignment with love. Her love and relationship education platform provides live events, online self-study programs, online group classes, and retreats that are all designed to teach the art of uncrossing the wires of understanding between men and women. And then from all of this, she helps to build and maintain healthy relationships and sustainable partnerships. Mm. I think, like, I don't know that that could be said any more perfectly. Like I said, I stole it from the (laughs) internet. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to get right into it. Cool. Question one. All right. Is this the best podcast you've ever been on? Obviously. Okay, great. (laughs) We're done here. Everyone can go home. (laughs) Episode one complete. Success. Awesome. Check. Awesome. Okay, so just kidding. Um, Tell us a little bit more about what you do Mm -hmm. and how you actually got into what you do today. Mm, Okay. So what I do is I I teach people essentially what is in the way of them actually accessing the love that is innate for them. So my personal belief is everyone deserves love. Everyone is worthy of love. But a lot of the time we've experienced something early in our past, in our childhood, usually where we've received the narrative that we're not worthy. Mm. And so my work is all about unwiring that and helping to build up that self-worth tank again so that people can step into relationships powerfully and they can know who they are so they can set up their partner to win with them and succeed with them, but also learn the foundational building blocks to a healthy relationship because I certainly didn't get that class in school. Me either. I still can't even do math. I literally (laughs) learned nothing. And it's crazy that relation, like our entire world and our entire life revolves around relationships, but we're not given any type of education in this arena. Mm -hmm. And there's this really weird belief that, well, if it's just the right relationship, it should just work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. It's the worst. Like that belief fucks up so many relationships because they don't just work when they're right. You know, Mm -hmm. we have to learn certain skill sets for communication, for co-creation, but also understanding ourselves in our entirety. And if we don't know who we are, it's very difficult to set someone up to love you properly Mm -hmm. if you don't even know what you need to be loved properly because you don't connect with yourself like that on a regular basis. Well, you don't say. So... makes sense when you say it that way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do. The majority of my work is I I teach in the Year of Love Masterclass. So that's my my big program where I take a small group of women in a class setting and we get on a call every single week for a year. And it's a big commitment. 
And it's also the commitment that needs to be made in order to rewire those patterns because those patterns didn't just happen. They've literally been running since we were children. And it's going to take some time to unlearn that stuff and at the same time learn something more effective. So a lot of that work is me helping them reparent themselves while holding the space of essentially the surrogate parent, you know, the person that is going to love them, see them, witness them in the way that they needed in order to develop really healthy self-esteem, healthy self-worth so that they can go out into the world and just be great and knock their lives out of the park, Mm -hmm. but then also, you know, not have to compromise having a great life in exchange for a partnership. So Mm -hmm. that's sometimes the, belief that's out there. I can either have a great life and a great business, or I can have a great relationship, but I can't have both. And that drives me insane. And I'm committed to working with people in a way that they can actually have everything that they want. So, so fitting because that was the first thing I wanted to talk to Kelsey about today. Um, And it's one of the, I mean, many reasons why I'm actually honored to have Mm -hmm. you on the show today, but I actually signed up for Kelsey's year of love program, I guess like almost Almost a year year ago. ago. It's like nine months. Um, Yeah. And it, it's, it's seriously transformed my life. (laughs) Um, And you've already kind of like told us a little bit about it, but in a bit more detail, like why is it something that, because you're also replicating this for men now, mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. going to be men listening mm-hmm. to this as yeah. well. So why is it something that a man or a woman, like what would they benefit from enrolling in this? So you talked about like rewiring thought patterns mm-hmm. and... Yeah. So a lot of the habits that we have around love are also dysfunctional habits that we have in our life. So if we are not getting the results that we're wanting in any area of life, there's some type of sabotage mechanism going on that's rooted in our shame Mm -hmm. and it's rooted in our low self-worth. So we get into the heart of what that is and into the heart of that shame story, into the heart of why that low self-worth was developed in the first place, and then start developing a tolerance for feeling good. And people always give me these weird looks when I say like (laughs) expanding your tolerance for joy or expanding your tolerance for feeling good. But when we really think about it, a lot of day-to-day life is based around, you know, commiserating about what's not working. And we get together with our friends and we bitch about what's not working and we complain. And a lot of social bonding is centered around what isn't working (laughs) and (laughs) you know what's going wrong or the ways in which I'm shitty or the ways in which my partner is horrible or all the ways that we're not being met and that's how we bond with each other and that's really really toxic so if we've had a history of doing that if there's any sort of complaining or commiserating in that regard it takes some serious time to rewire that because you <laughs> essentially have to retrain people how to treat you and we've got to get into the heart of setting boundaries knowing what your needs are retraining ourselves retraining ourselves yeah. like like it's so fascinating to me that people want a committed relationship but they can't even commit to, you know, showing up for themselves every single day mm-hmm. in a simple morning routine. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> the ways in which we kind of wiggle and worm our way out of our own commitments to ourselves on a much larger scale are the same things that essentially destroy your relationships. And 
so we get into the heart of that because it's a year-long container it's impossible for you not to meet yourself like the way it's structured is you have to read a module show up for a call and do an assignment and it's inevitable that there's a point for every single woman where she hits her edge she hits her resistance (laughs) and she stops doing the fucking work and that's like me last week i'm not gonna lie i just straight up didn't (laughs) want to do do the homework so that's all i got yeah (laughs) And it's critical that you meet that part because whatever the excuse, whatever the reason, whatever the feeling was that came before the decision not to do the work is the same thing that's holding you back in love. Would you say it's the same as whatever resists persists? (laughs) (laughs) Not quite, but you know, it it does fit because whatever we're resisting looking at, it it is going to keep Popping uh, popping up. And sabotaging. Mm -hmm. So it is correct in the sense that, yeah, if we don't look at this stuff, it's going to keep happening. And there's another little nugget that goes along with that one, which is whatever you fight, you strengthen. Mm -hmm. So when we fight against our shadow, when we fight against these parts of ourselves that we think are wrong or bad or we don't like, or there's parts of ourselves that we just can't accept and be with, those things get stronger the more we fight against them. So in the container of the year, we get to a front row seat mm-hmm. to all of those you know, subconscious programs, all of those patterns that are running. And then we start to work with them in a much more compassionate way mm-hmm. because the inner critic is already going off about not showing up and not doing it properly. And yep. so my job is to create that really safe space of reparenting so that we stay accountable, but also we are met with compassion when we're not perfect. Because that's where a lot of the shame and the self-worth comes from, is this idea that if I had just been perfect, then I would have gotten the love that I needed. Mm -hmm. And if we kind of frame it that way as a kid, then it gives us some sense of control over the ways in which we weren't loved. And then we develop into adults who are perfectionists and hold this unreal standard for ourselves that we can't even meet. And then we project that onto a future partner and they can never win with us because we're expecting them to be perfect and no one ever is. So we really take a look at all of those mechanics and then get into the practical stuff of what are your boundaries when it comes to relationships? What are your needs when it comes to relationships? How do you communicate your truth to your partner Mm -hmm. in a way that invites them closer? Um, We look at, you know, the building blocks to partnerships. So the conversations that must occur in order for a really healthy relationship to happen. Um, The difference between a relationship and a partnership, because one of them, you know, is how most people are doing relationship, which is pretty unconscious and it doesn't really go anywhere and the levels of fulfillment are really not that strong or we can go the track of partnership which is the container of the relationship is designed for growth and expansion of both people so that the love between the two of them helps one another step into the greatest possible version of who they know themselves to be and there's a lot of healing that happens inside of a partnership for both people So it's not a matter of I have to be totally healed and totally perfect before I can get into a partnership, but we need to have enough self-awareness of what's going on in our wounding pattern, 
the ways in which we felt that we weren't loved or accepted before we step into partnership, because that information is critical for your partner to know in order to help you rewire and help you really transform that story. Dating is a legit science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. Oh, man. Well, I've actually... we Okay. How many years have we been friends now? Three? I think so. I got a notification on Facebook Perfect. <laughs> about our friend anniversary the other day, and I think it did say three years. Yeah. yeah. So we've been friends for a while now, but I would really say over the last like two years, mm-hmm. we became close. I actually tried to hustle you for like a business <laughs> opportunity when I was starting a company. Remember that? No. Uh, Remember that for coffee and I was starting that love thing and then I was really oh, like, yeah. that's how we met because Connor introduced right, right, us. Right. And then I remember you were wearing a neon sweater. I'll never forget. I was? <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> of course I was. Of course you were. Um, but yeah, you've been friends with me for a while Yeah. and Kels has never pushed this program or anything on me. Mm. Um. And I always thought that was interesting because, I mean, like, I try and hustle my friends on everything. Like, I just told Kelsey to buy all my living room furniture. (laughs) I just like, that's just what I do. But, um, yeah, you've never pushed the program on me. And I think that's really cool because people actually have to apply Mm -hmm. to do your program so you know that they're ready for it. It's a big investment. It's It's a a big big commitment, but it's worth it. But, yeah, last year I went through a breakup. Mm -hmm. It was like the breakups of all breakups. Mm-hmm. It was, it ripped me to pieces. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I've been heartbroken a few mm-hmm. times before. Mm-hmm. And then that happened. And I was like, huh? Like plunging to the depths. Oh, yeah. yeah. And on top of like having to, you know, feeling heartbreak, you know, all the guilt that I was yeah. feeling of like, wow, this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being able to like know, like, oh my God, I did this, 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 and this. And now I'm carrying like the heartbreak feelings. Mm-hmm. And I'm carrying all the guilt feelings. And yeah, I just put a lot of heavy blame on myself for why the relationship ended. Um, and then I was worried that I caused like my ex-partner to hate me. Mm-hmm. And anyways, I feel like that's a whole other mm-hmm. rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. But then as I emerged from my house 24 hours later, I'm not speaking <laughs> to anyone, hyperventilating. It was <laughs> dark times. <laughs> There was Kels in this mm. angelic light. Mm. And it's like I had no better person to help me through this breakup. Um, and I think it was then you're just like, you know what? I think you're ready to do this program. And it's honestly, I, I don't want to say you bullied me to do your course, but it's <laughs> There's actually, an invitation. <laughs> there is an open yeah. invitation. Yeah. And yeah, it's like I said, it's it's really transformed my life. And not only have I had the chance to really start to understand, it's like, okay, well, why were you feeling the, this guilt? Mm-hmm. And now move into this, but start to like transform how I behaved and mm-hmm. how I thought. And yeah, I think this is a good time to move into our discussion about dating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah. I threw out a couple of stories on my Instagram. Yeah. And I asked people to submit their questions to you. Mm-hmm. So I think we should just go through them and start sure. jamming on them. Okay, ready? Okay. Okay. Let's start with being single. <laughs> okay. Okay. But in all fairness or all honesty, being single, um, dating, and then we'll move back into attracting a sure. quality partner. Um, the most common thing that was asked uh-huh. 
or said, I guess it was more of a statement. It's just like, why is dating like so bad? But it was like specific to their city and everyone was in different cities. Like why is dating in Vancouver the worst? What is is dating in Toronto like so shit? Why is dating in New York? And I'm like, first of all, I don't even want to hear from the people in New York and LA that say dating is bad because I feel like it sucks in Vancouver. But like, do we, is dating actually the worst? Mm. Are we just really bad at dating? Um, so my partner did a really hilarious post the other day where his, his caption in his meme was, it's not that dating sucks, it's that you just suck at dating. Mm. Well, touche. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, he, he goes to unpack it, you know, yeah. and it's, it's not, you know, a, a statement in terms of, you know, slandering your self-worth or making you feel shame. Um, but it's, there's things that we just don't know that we don't know. And I find it really ironic and really hilarious that no matter what city you're in, Mm -hmm. this is the common narrative. Mm -hmm. And there are people that find true love in every city in the world, true love in like little small towns. Okay, but like if there's like 20 people in the town, like I feel like it's easier. Not necessarily, (laughs) because what if you don't have resonance with those 20 people? That's true. Right. And so being in the city, like the city is not the problem. The problem is the filter that we're seeing it through. So a lot of us, if we haven't done that work on ourselves, what's happening is our filter for what we're attracted to is people who reinforce that wounding pattern from our childhood. So whatever version of I'm not enough is in your wounding blind spot, the way that we approach dating and how we see dating is filtered through that wound until we are willing to do the self-exploration. So anytime someone is like, ugh, dating just sucks in my city, I know (laughs) where their level of self-awareness is. I know where their level of self-inquiry is. Because anywhere I've gone, um, any city I've ever been in, that's never been a problem. And I'm not like the hottest, smartest, sexiest person (laughs) in the world. Like there's always going to be someone smarter, prettier, sexier, like than you always. And that's okay. Because you have your own unique brand of genius. And there are certain people that are you know, hardwired and they're looking for your genius. They're looking for the brand of love and expression that only you can bring. But if you don't even know that you have that genius zone in you and you're coming at it from this lens of scarcity, from this lens of not enough, every single person that you're like magnetically pulled to are people who are fundamentally bad for you. Mm-hmm. And then so it builds, again, this belief of, you know, dating sucks because I keep going on all these dates and they never go anywhere. And we have to take a look at not necessarily how to become more attractive because that's what all the dating stuff is about. How do you make yourself more attractive? Well, yeah, I was going to start talking to you about Tinder and Bumble and And all the dating apps. The thing is that – that angle doesn't work because making yourself more attractive only pulls in more people that you have to sort through and not necessarily people who are aligned 
in terms of a partner. So I guess it really comes down to what's your intention for dating. Because if you're dating just to have fun and mess around and, you know, you're not dating for a serious purpose in terms of finding yourself in a partnership with your life partner, that's totally different than dating for partnership, which arguably I think a lot of people, that's where they're coming from. And that's why they're so frustrated. Yeah. I feel like if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have challenged you so hard on that (laughs) or like, you know, a couple years ago, like previous to my prior to my last relationship, I probably would have challenged you really hard on that Mm -hmm. because I mean, don't get me wrong. There are success stories from dating apps and Mm -hmm. it's not like the worst, No, but I have found, I mean, well, in general, I feel like a lot of people will agree they've lost faith Mm -hmm. in the dating apps Mm -hmm. and I mean, maybe it's because everyone's already slept with each other. (laughs) (laughs) And it also, I feel like it's, uh, well, I speak from experience. I do find it a bit harder to meet people organically. So Mm -hmm. I I feel like I tend to Mm -hmm. resort back to the app. It's a convenient thing. But I will say I, I noticed the shift in the last while. It was like, before I would like swipe, talk to everyone, anyone, I was like really open and just kind of like open to see what would Mm -hmm. come from a discussion. Mm -hmm. And now I find it like I cringe. And I will say I'm on like four dating apps. I don't know why I'm on four. It's the same people on four frigging profiles. Mm -hmm. I copy and paste my profile, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I find them to be almost cringeworthy where I'm like, there is no substance. There is no depth here. Mm-hmm. There are people that like, <laughs> you know, the game Guess Who? Mm-hmm. My friend Adam and I, I like, I want to create a Guess Who for like things that you, it would be like a Tinder Guess Who. It's like, <laughs> is your person wearing a shirt? <laughs> is your person super like you? Oh, is your, yeah. like, it's just, you think like, what are you actually trying to achieve from this mm-hmm. profile picture? This is the first impression yeah, that, that you're making and you like, what? Mm-hmm. Well, and that, and it goes back to like, instead of taking the dating advice that makes you more attractive, like how to have the best profile picture and mm-hmm. like, you know, you need to have like a perfect body and making a certain amount of money. Like that shit doesn't matter as much as understanding why you're attracted to who you're attracted to Mm -hmm. and are the people that you're attracted to actually good for you. Yeah. That is a much better use of your time to go down the path of understanding your attraction Mm -hmm. instead of focusing on becoming more attractive because becoming more attractive only pulls in more of the people that aren't good for you. And when we focus on understanding our attraction and what we're compelled and like pulled towards unconsciously and then looking through that with a lens of discernment of like okay so the people that I'm insanely attracted to how often has that worked out for me yeah how (laughs) in in terms of like do I feel met by this person yeah does this person have the skills to communicate with me in a way where I feel respected honored cherished and loved Because chances are what's running in your unconscious love template is a program that compels you to be attracted to someone who cannot give you the love that you need. And that's what we find most intoxicating. That's what we find most attractive. And then when we start doing that inner inquiry and starting to heal those 
you know, roots of our self-worth blowouts and starting to fill up that tank, what we're attracted to changes. Now, this doesn't mean that you all of a sudden, you know, don't find people attractive physically. Like you're still going to be physically and sexually attracted to people, but you're also going to be attracted to their emotional depth and whether they intellectually stimulate you and that there's something greater to the connection. You know, and for me, that kind of falls in the category of spiritual alignment. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can suss through that on a dating app. You know, it's possible, but you're going to have to be really courageous and ask bold questions right off the bat. Like you can't waste your time chit-chatting about the weather and nonsense uh, or like dropping right into sexting with someone that you don't even know and wondering why it's not progressing to partnership Mm -hmm. because once we move into that terrain of like really heavily flirting in the sexual domain it's very difficult to backtrack into the world of emotional resonance and you want to know right away whether or not someone has the capacity to honor and respect your boundaries and if you put up a boundary of like hey i actually don't sex with people that i don't know (laughs) What? Yeah. And then if if you get a reaction like that, you're like, thank you, next. Yeah. And so dating apps are great in terms of being a filter process. So we want to filter quick. And what most people do is they're not quick filterers. So they end up investing more time with the wrong people and then they're totally, you know, disenchanted with the whole dating world because they're spending too much time investing into people who should never have gone past one text on a dating app Mm -hmm. if they'd asked the right question. And so we have to learn how to ask higher quality questions that are in resonance with our core values and risk them being like, ugh, no thanks. And And it's funny that people actually care. It's like, well, I'm afraid – that like the they're gonna reject me, reject and I'm me. like, yeah, okay, but don't you want that stranger to reject you? Because why do you want to be dating mm-hmm. someone that's not gonna meet you? Totally, but it goes back to that wounding pattern. The wounding pattern wants someone who will reject you because feeling rejected is familiar. It's something that you know really, really well, and being accepted, being loved and cherished for who you are is totally unfamiliar. You don't know how to handle that. You don't know how to deal with that. And the brain goes bonkers with that and not in a good way because Mm. it's like, uh uh-oh, abort mission. Like we're going into dangerous territory. The way that your primal brain reads that is, ooh, you're going into territory where you might get chomped down for lunch by a saber-toothed tiger. You know, whereas if you stay here in the cave where it's safe – and familiar, it's dark and dank and like it's not fun, but at least you you stay alive. <laughs> and so we, if we're not making those choices consciously because we have not, you know, begun to look at our shadow material, we haven't looked at our actual relationship to our self-worth, then we are going to run on automatic pilot and we're going to keep choosing the people that can't choose us back and then keep using that whole thing of, but I don't want this stranger to reject me. So instead I'll reject myself (laughs) because that's what you're doing. Every time you choose someone who doesn't choose you, you're rejecting yourself. God damn. I've done that before. 
Mm-hmm. Well, so have I. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not sitting here on my high horse, like preaching. Things. We are on high stools. Though. We are on high stools. <laughs> um, but to be clear, like all of these things that I've learned, I've learned by doing what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that pair. And with- actually honoring what yeah. doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. The difference. Yeah. I mean, when I was in my 20s, I was like, mm, I think maybe it was just that guy. Yeah. And it'll be different with this one. And when I looked back on my track record, you know, I think I was about 28, 27, 28 when I looked back and I was like, hmm, the only commonality, the only consistent factor in all of these guys is me. I'm the common denominator, not them. But I had this story for so long that, oh, it was just them. They're the reason. It was, it didn't have anything to do with me, mm-hmm. but I was running so unconsciously. And I think, you know, that's part of just growing up, you know, in our early twenties, we are not generally running on high levels of conscious awareness. Like mm-hmm. that part of your life is meant to be a bit of a free for all, you know, it's the time where you're exploring and testing boundaries and pushing your own limits and figuring out who you are. But around, you know, 27, 28, we enter our Saturn return, not to get all woo-woo, but like (laughs) this is a really important transit, which is essentially the phase of time where you move from more adolescent interacting to more adult interacting if you learn your lessons. If you choose to just keep running unconsciously, you'll keep pulling that adolescent behavior into your 30s until you decide to change. And it gets more and more intense and more and more uncomfortable the longer we go without addressing it. So in your 20s, you have a tolerance for it because you're, you're resilient when mm-hmm. you're 20 and you're like, ah, whatever. Like, and it's a challenge. Next. Yeah, it's a challenge. Yeah. And like, um, But when we start to move into our 30s, things start to change. And like for women, we have a really interesting relationship to time because even if you don't want children – That is me this year. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I know exactly what you're going to say. I'm going to cut you off because like, I never understood what body clock was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, I feel like I've just entered that return. Mm -hmm. The breakup happened at like, like the timing is actually Mm -hmm. spot on with what you were saying. And I'm like, I feel like this was like a harvesting year Mm. and now I'm about to rebuild. Mm -hmm. My career is just getting started Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to find my partner. Mm -hmm. But the thought of kids, do I want them? Yes. Mm -hmm. Is it anytime soon? Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. But my ovaries hurt when I see babies now. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, Mm -hmm. I think that's what they mean by body clock. Mm -hmm. You're like, I could want one of those. Mm -hmm. No, you can't. (laughs) Well, and for men, they literally stay fertile their entire life. Like there is no clock for them. Yeah. So for men, like in their sixties, in their seventies, they could decide to become a father. Whereas women, if you want to have a child biologically, there is a time window on that. Mm -hmm. Now what's great about science and what's great about, you know, even the science of mindset is that it's giving women a larger window. Mm Mm-hmm. However, there is an inevitable point when your body will enter into menopause. And at that point, your body is not capable of, you know, bringing a baby to term. 
So it creates this urgency for a lot of women, whether they're aware of it or not, whether Mm -hmm. they actually want children or not, there's always this sense of urgency and pushing things really fast instead of allowing it to unfold naturally. Now, this is where women can learn something from men. And also men can learn something from women. Like men kind of dawdle, you know, (laughs) they take it to the extreme sometimes, whereas women, we fast track it too quickly. And so if we can meet each other in the middle and women take a little bit from men in terms of, oh, how about I just let this unfold naturally? And then men take a little bit from women being like, maybe, you know, we, we can get to that commitment a little bit quicker or that clarity of commitment a little bit sooner. And so if we, we use each other to learn, we become integrated much quicker, but we have to be aware that that is going to be an instinctual pull as a woman. And then we have to bring our consciousness online and operate from our essence. And operating from our essence means honoring our instinct and being able to rationally look at, okay, what is it that I truly want? And how am I actually going to get there? Because if I actually want a partnership that sustains itself in a healthy capacity long-term, I can't rush that process because I want to make sure I'm filtering properly. I want to make sure I'm choosing the person for the right reasons, someone who can meet me emotionally, someone who stimulates me mentally, someone who has a commitment to growth, which would be the spiritual capacity, someone who I'm physically attracted to. Like, I like what's happening over there. (laughs) You know, I like looking at your face every day. And then sexually, you know, can I create with this person? Do I find them sexually attractive? Do we like banging it out with each other? (laughs) (laughs) these are honest and true things you have to assess and really test for alignment for but the way that most people are dating is that they're testing for that sexual alignment first and then again for women there's a release of oxytocin in your body that saturates your brain that actually fucks with your ability to see things clearly so it's the same release of hormone (laughs) That would happen if you birthed a baby that would bond you to that baby so that you do not abandon that baby. <laughs> this is the same thing that happens when you have sex with someone. And it brings us right into my um, next thing that I want to talk about. Perfect. Sex. Perfect. Um, and a very common dating scenario. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna break down the scenario here, and mm-hmm. obviously um, gender roles are interchangeable. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's a girl. Mm-hmm. She likes this boy mm-hmm. like a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the boy doesn't want anything too serious. Right. He said it. You know, like I'm not looking for anything too serious right now. But I like hanging out with you. You know, mm-hmm. you know the drill. Yeah, of course. Um, the girl responds that. Oh yeah, me too. I'm not looking for anything because I'm cool like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. We're on the same page. But deep down inside, she's dying. Yeah. Because she knows she wants to get married to him and she's totally in love. (laughs) Uh It's common. Um, Moving through the scenario, Uh she Uh then thinks, well, if I continue to hang out with him and if I continue to sleep with him. Then he'll love me. Then he's going to love me. Yeah. And then he'll choose me. And he doesn't. He doesn't. He never does. He never does. Raise your hand. (laughs) If you've been personally victimized by yeah, this situation. Me too. me too. You can't see us. We're both raising yeah. our hands. But let me tell you, he doesn't change his mind. He no. literally never, I don't want to say never, but rarely mm-hmm. 
changes his mind. I feel like, honeys, we really need to stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And this is, again, what creates such a negative context around dating and relationships is we don't listen. <laughs> Maybe he meant this. Yeah. And ugh. <laughs> okay. So here's a little tidbit on the differences between men and women. Men speak in possibility. Mm. Women listen <laughs> through plans and promises. So he's talking about a possibility of one day getting married. She's hearing he's he proposed. Yeah. He wants to marry me. He comes home. <laughs> Calls you right away. <laughs> and so this causes a lot of mischief between men and women, just that functionality alone. But second of all, this is, I have never seen this not be true, mm. um, where someone reveals who they truly are to you within the first 30 days of knowing them. Meaning if you have filtered properly, let's say, and you've tested for your non-negotiables prior to going on a date, like you should not be spending in-person time with anyone that does not meet your non-negotiables, which would right off the bat, do you want a serious relationship? then stop messing around and going on dates with guys who are like, I don't want anything serious. Yeah. Because that whole, then you get trapped in this whole game of trying to convert him to love you. Guess where that comes from? A very, very, very low sense of self-worth. I, I am not worthy of being met. So, but if I can convert this guy, who has told me he doesn't want me. And if I can get him to want me, then I must have self-worth. I must be worthy. I must have some sort of value in the world. And it sends you for such a trip because like when my partner broke up with me last year, and like I said, I carried all that guilt Mm -hmm. of like, well, of course he broke up with me because I did like this and this and this. And maybe if I didn't do that and I did this, then he would still love me and blah, blah, blah. And it was just like, no, really the only thing that happened was that I let myself go in more than one way Mm -hmm. and I stopped honoring myself. I Mm -hmm. stopped doing what made me happy. Mm -hmm. I literally had no idea who the hell I was towards, I I don't even want to say the end, I would say middle Mm -hmm. to end of the relationship. And it's like, I remember hit like almost him, like I can literally hear him saying it in my, like in my head. He was just like, I just like, it wasn't the same as when we started dating Mm -hmm. and I just wanted you to be who you were. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I wanted to date someone who was confident when, you know, I was just this happy go lucky person at the Mm -hmm. beginning. And then it turned into hearing that stuff. Okay, great. So if I change this, 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 and this, then you'll love me. Then you'll love me. But really the only thing that shifted over this last year is that, you know, after a few months I got better and Mm I, abandoned that whole thought of winning someone over Mm -hmm. but it was more like now I have all this time to date myself Mm -hmm. and figure out what I really want and now my whole perspective on dating has changed because like you said with those filters Mm -hmm. someone starts talking to me and within 15 minutes or Mm -hmm. even a few questions I'm just like no no absolutely not Mm -hmm. and like maybe this is too much information no (laughs) but like it's your podcast i'm not sure i can do whatever the (laughs) hell i want (laughs) my love language is touch yeah so physical connection is very important to me me too and 
I even find, and maybe I'm angry at you for this, <laughs> but like, I can't even find, it's not even easy for me to find like a casual partner to ha- hang out with. Cause I'm just like, you're not even good enough to be my casual partner. That's standards. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hair yeah. flip. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing that you have standards and there are ways to get those needs for physical touch met. Like mm-hmm. when I went through phases where I was intentionally celibate, mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to take a hiatus from dating and sex so that I can connect to myself. I do this sometimes, especially after like being in serious relationships, I will take a hiatus just to recalibrate. Jamie, her man, if uh, <laughs> he's listening, you better watch out. <laughs> Imagine just coming one home one day. We're celibate. I don't know that I could do that with no. him. Like literally, maybe this is too much information, but like every day when we're sitting with each other, I have to literally be like, Kelsey, focus. Stop thinking about having sex with him. Focus, focus, focus. I don't think that's going to be a problem for us. But it's more like in in the times where I have been single mm-hmm. and but having that need for touch is very real for me. So there are a couple ways I've gone about doing this. One, just calling up my friends being like, I need a hug. I need a cuddle. And another way is that I put things around my house that were like very pleasurable for me to touch. So I'm a very tactile person. <laughs> walks around, strokes the blanket, actually, strokes the couch. Actually, yeah. Rolls on the carpet. You're yeah. like a little cat. I am. I am like a cat. <laughs> and so I have a lot of really soft blankets. So like I put that around me and then I would touch it. So those are ways that I can get that need met just if I'm by myself. Mm-hmm. But then I had no problem calling up my friends and being like, I need a hug. And I have such great friends, and this is how you can probably tell the quality of your friends, Mm -hmm. whether they laugh at you and make fun of you if you ask for what you need, or they actually take it seriously, and they're like, of course, of course. Now, I sometimes had to go through a list of (laughs) three or four people before someone was available. Couldn't help but notice you've never called me for a hug. (laughs) Well, this was like a long time ago. I'm talking like 2010. We didn't know each other then. But now you would. Now I would. Okay, yeah. And also I see you regularly enough. Can you see my need for attention? Yes, and touch. <laughs> <laughs> Validate me, love me. <laughs> Meets new guys. So tell me a little about yourself. I'm needy and um, I require attention all the time. Just kidding, guys. Please don't take that seriously. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is a, a really important thing to have those standards. Yeah. Because if you don't, you're going to fall into that trap of I am going to convert this person who has told me that they don't want want what I want. Like that's the first act of self-abandon. Mm-hmm. So the reason why we're so distraught by someone's rejection of us is because we've been rejecting ourselves over and over and over. We've abandoned ourselves so many times in order to stay. And true love will never require self-abandonment. Mm-hmm. Ever, 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 ever. Now there, in my opinion, are, you know, toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. Then there's those relationships where there is love. So that would be like you and your ex. There is love there. And then there's true love. And true love would be on the track of even if you got out of your alignment with yourself, like you did in your relationship, he would love you in a way where you were invited to love yourself more. So he would encourage you to find that alignment within yourself, within the container of the relationship. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be a a deal breaker being like, oh, 
you know, you gave up on yourself, so I'm going to give up on you. That's not what true love does. But love will do that because – That's not a bad thing. No. No. Yeah. No, no, no. Because it like ultimately if he was your person, that couldn't have happened. And that it's hard in the moment when the wound is fresh yeah. to even hear something like that. And I totally understand that. And like when I went through my breakup three years ago – like even though somewhere in the back of my mind I was like this is not your person and you've been trying to convert him to be your person for a mm-hmm. long time chasing that idea of what we yeah. want yeah instead of who is this person actually mm-hmm. and who is he showing up as in reality and does that work for me and if I looked through that lens I shouldn't have stayed in that relationship past a couple months and I was in it for four years. And there were so many things that happened in that relationship that were traumatizing, that were painful. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to paint it with that brush the entire time because that wasn't the case. There were obviously pockets where it was really fun and really enjoyable. And you know, we learned a lot from each other. But it was one of those toxic relationships. It was one of those traumatic relationships where I actually needed him. I needed that relationship because it brought me to my fucking knees and it brought me to actually see these parts of myself that had been so lodged in my shadow that I couldn't even access them through all of the personal development work I'd been doing. It didn't even come close to unlocking those doors, but that type of relationship unlocked them immediately. Like it was six months into our relationship where the first massive door got unlocked where we broke up and I was like floored. I'm like, how am I this upset after six months with someone? This logically doesn't make sense, but emotionally I couldn't stop the intensity from coming. And in meditation, I kept hearing this narrative of you're finally in a place where you can process all of the other relationships you didn't process. And so I was feeling not only the discomfort from that particular relationship ending, but I was also feeling the depth of all of the pain and the grief that I didn't process in all of my other relationships that at at the time I just didn't have the skills to do that. Um, And then it led me to unlocking pieces from my family system and you know parts of my my family history that were really traumatic and that I didn't want to touch I didn't want to open those doors and I thought oh I could just go the rest of my life just pretending that that didn't happen <laughs> I'm so good at that <laughs> I feel like it oh I was a that, master that skills box on yeah. my resume <laughs> yeah which is why it, it's so it's it really works for me to work with women who do that kind of stuff, yeah. who lock these pieces of themselves away and who tend to overfunction, overgive, like overstep their standards, overstep what they actually need in order to convert someone to love them. That's why I'm really effective working with women like that because I have been that woman mm-hmm. and I have figured out the way through that. And because I have, now I can guide other people through that process too. But the second someone tells you, and again, Don't go on a date with someone before you actually know what they're looking for. Like, this is what's going to totally change dating for you. And it will actually become fun. Because once you filter people out, like, before you even meet them, in terms of... You dodge a big 
bullet slash step. You you do. And what you can trust then is even if you find that you're not totally aligned, you'll still have a good time with that person. Yeah. There will be something that happens in that interaction that enhances your life for the better. And like on the dates that I have gone on, so like doing this work to be like, ah, I want this and I need this and this is a non-negotiable for me. And basically here's my starting point. I'm not going below that. Mm -hmm. But also taking time to look at people and observe people around me and being like, Oh, that's really nice. Like Mm -hmm. I actually want more of that in my life. So my energy worker, that was like one of my exercises. Mm -hmm. She's like, really appreciate when you see things that Mm -hmm. you like to be like, I want more of that. And I want more of that. And while I have dated in the last Mm -hmm. year, it's been a really cool experience to be like, I found each person because none of them obviously got serious. And some mm-hmm. of them are just like dates and acquaintances. and mm-hmm. But they were all so fresh and friendly that you're like, I found like every person, and I'm making it sound like it was a lot. It's really not a lot. But the few people, it was just like, it got better and better mm-hmm. because like, it was like, and now there's this. Mm-hmm. And I really saw this experience in that like this interaction or discussion or conversation with a guy who was so straightforward and told me everything he wanted. And I'm like, yeah, I want more of that. Mm-hmm. And that was like my starting point for my mm-hmm. next interaction mm-hmm. with a man. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? It makes total sense Yeah, to me. so it's like you do these like stepping stones yeah. and maybe this is what they mean by conscious dating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's actually been really, really cool. Mm. And dating feels super level-headed and light. Maybe even and fun. fun. And not so serious. And there's no stress when something doesn't work because at the beginning, I've literally gone to dinner with a guy and it's just like, he's like, okay, tell me everything you want and why. And it's not aggressive. It's not like 21 questions go like interview, (laughs) but it was really cool to be like, you know what? I had such a great meal with you and I think we should be friends, but we're Mm -hmm. not in alignment to be partners. Mm -hmm. And it was just really cool. Mm Yeah. Yeah. I think the last bad date I ever went on was in 2009 when I first moved to this city. Mine was the guy that no-showed me for coffee. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> but that doesn't count, whatever. Continue. No. And since then, like, and especially after like my last relationship ended, um, I took some time before I started going out on dates. And the ones that I did go on when I started dating – we're just so fun. Yeah. And right away, like there was obviously like the conversation of like, what are you actually looking for? You want a serious relationship that leads to marriage? Okay, sure. We'll go out for coffee. Do you want dogs? Do you want dogs? Do you have dogs? Do you like cats? Mm. I mean- I'm allergic. I'll still pet them, Yeah, but I'm I, I love them. <laughs> um, and so like that whole piece of like, what type of relationship are you looking yeah. for was- the critical piece that I knew I needed to ask before even agreeing to go out for dinner or going out for coffee. And one of the, it was actually a really fun date that I went on. And you know me, I'm very woo woo, witchy, you know, spiritual. She's literally sitting with crystals in her hand. You weirdo. Usually they're in my bra, but I'm not wearing a bra today. You so. did give me a crystal for my bra for yeah. my birthday. She's yeah. like, this will look for your anxiety. I'm like, I need 20 of those. <laughs> I need a bra made each out of, of the these. cups. Yeah. 
So like, and they're big cups. So you better have some big crystals. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so good. So like, obviously this is a very much a part of who I am. And I go on this date with this guy and he reveals to me that he is very religious. And while we wanted, you know, we both wanted the same things in terms of relationship style. And, you know, we were very aligned in many, many ways. And then on the date, he reveals that he's super religious and he has this real big like wall up around witchcraft and to that I was like oh but I'm a witch <laughs> he was like what throws garlic at you get out <laughs> and I'm like yeah like I literally have crystals in my bra right now and like I'm very big on ritual and like for me witchcraft isn't like casting spells on people what you don't have a cauldron I don't have I but I would, be open to it. I, I would be open to it um you know but I feel like you know I've lived many lives of living that type of witchcraft but for me it's more of resonance with nature and mm-hmm. having a really respectful relationship with mother nature and a respectful relationship with myself working with energy medicine, like those are the types of things that build out my spiritual practice. And his spiritual beliefs were a direct conflict in terms of not that they can't coexist, but for him, that was a hard no. And so we, that information got revealed pretty early in the dinner date. And I was like, okay, well, clearly then I'm not your person mm-hmm. and that's okay. I still really like hanging out with you. I think you're so funny. And obviously funny is important to me. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and um, so I'm like, all right, so we're clear that we're, we're not going to go past this point in terms of ever going on another date again. And you're not going to do it with him because no. maybe you'll change his mind no, about and, witches. <laughs> well, and this is the thing that once you've filled up your self-worth yeah. tank. It doesn't even cross your mind. It doesn't cross your mind. And the thought of doing that is repulsive repulsive yeah I feel you and you're like no like because you want to respect the other person Mm -hmm. and you want to respect yourself and you know I I want him to have what he wants wants. and I just found out that in the last I don't know a couple of months he just had another kid and so he clearly found Mm -hmm. what he was looking for and if I had you know tried to convert him or just stayed in that I would have ripped him off from having his dream and I would have ripped myself off from meeting my partner who ended up being all the best things (laughs) combined into one. You know, he is the byproduct of all the best qualities of every single one of my exes, every single guy that I've ever gone on a date with all the best qualities about them. It's like an Ariana Grande song. (laughs) (laughs) And like, he's just all of them. And, you know, I get to be my witchy, spiritual, crystal loving self with him he is hilarious. He entertains me with that. Like he doesn't put me down for doing my Oracle card readings, which my ex would do all the time. And like, uh, he just, he can hold space for all of me. And we have a very similar perspective in terms of spirituality. And it's really fun because there's resonance on all of those five key levels. So obviously we find each other physically attractive and emotionally he can hold space like a fucking boss <laughs> and he's able to attune to my emotional needs and he really respects that part of me. 
And intellectually, I'm stimulated by him. I learn from him every single day. We can have high-level conversations, which I need. And spiritually, like we have, you know, those same sorts of beliefs. And then obviously, we like banging it out with each other. So, mm-hmm. like we have all of the areas are lined up. But I wasn't willing to settle in terms of agreeing to be in a relationship until all five of those areas were fulfilled on. Mm-hmm. And that was my mission. And like, I'm okay being single for as long as it takes because I love my life and I love being with myself that I don't feel like something's missing by not having that relationship. And I trust that when that relationship is meant to happen and with whom it's meant to happen with, they'll find their way to me and I'll find my way to them. And sure enough, he slid into my DM <laughs> last year. And that is a modern day love story at the end. <laughs> The essence of true love is on Instagram. Hey, BB. Hi, BB. Cat meme. Sends me a screenshot instantly. I found my husband. <laughs> um, okay, so we've actually talked for this entire hour a lot about being single mm-hmm. and how we can, you know, really set our foundation for attracting that quality partner into mm-hmm. our life and really how it all starts with ourselves. Yep. Um, so at the end of this or wherever this podcast lives i'm gonna link everyone to your stuff so if anyone's interested in the year of love cool they can work on that and there's Mm -hmm. also coaching and everything Mm -hmm. that they can do with you but i think the last question to wrap this up Mm -hmm. because a lot of people listening are also going to be in current relationships Mm -hmm. and like we said not every relationship is perfect Mm -hmm. so what is some advice we can give to people that might be struggling in their relationship Mm -hmm. right now that might want to re you know kindle that spark Mm -hmm. or you know just some tips on how they can keep their current relationship like Mm. long and lasting and healthy and is that does that make sense that makes total sense okay now you just go all right so first (laughs) things first both of you need to be your own individuals Mm -hmm. if you have gotten into a situation where you're fused your identity is fused with your partner that is problematic, not sustainable. Sounds familiar. So first step, <laughs> individuating from your partner. And that means you have a separate life from them, but then you also have the things that you do together as a couple. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the time when someone is fused and they hear that, they're very threatened by it. And they think, oh, it means that we have to like separate from each other. And no, no, no. But like have things that are uniquely for you that you don't always have to have your partner involved in, but they don't threaten the safety of the relationship. Mm -hmm. So whether that's, you know, you go meet your girlfriends or you go meet your guy friends or you have a hobby, like maybe you love pottery and you go take a pottery class once a week or you go- We should do that. We should. I was at Granville (laughs) Island yesterday. I was like, I want to do a pottery class. (laughs) Uh, Or maybe you do dance or maybe you play on a sports team. Maybe you do music. Like it doesn't matter what it is, but you need- one thing at least that is separate from your partner that brings you joy, that brings you into your fullest expression of who you know yourself to be. Because when you have that space and distance from your partner, that actually creates the conditions for desire. If you're too close, it kills desire. So we need a little bit of space in order for that desire to occur. And if you're you know, busy doing something that, you know, turns you on and, you know, in, in, in terms of like turns your soul on, I don't mean like sexually turned on, although maybe, I don't know, 
But I'm just going to go have some me time. I'm going to just don't come also back. important. <laughs> yeah. Also very important. Like, and that might be a podcast for another day, but like, it's critical that you have that connection time, especially if you're a woman, mm-hmm. um, because orgasm actually charges your system as a woman versus orgasm with a man. It depletes his life force energy, at least temporarily until he can rebuild the testosterone and then he's awake again, which is why he probably falls asleep right after. Um, (laughs) unless he's like 18, you know, and then he's ready to go in five minutes. But, um, as a woman, like the more orgasms you have, the more charged your energy becomes, the more magnetic you become, and you can't rely on a partner to provide that for you. And so if you just have a regular practice of having self-pleasure time, it's a great way to connect to yourself spiritually, but also charge up your energy so that you can go out and be a badass boss lady in whatever you're doing. And so, you know, yes, have that self-pleasure time, but also have things that you do independently from each other. And when you bring that back into your relationship and you're sharing with your partner about something that you're so excited about that brings you joy and brings you to life, they have no choice but to be totally turned on by that. Like there's nothing sexier than watching someone who is in their alignment talk about the things that light them up. And if that turns off your partner, well, we have a much bigger problem. You should probably call me for couples counseling. (laughs) But most couples fall into the camp where their partner just wants to see their partner in a state of joy. They want to see their partner happy and fulfilled. And it's your job to make sure that you're fulfilled. That is not your partner's responsibility to make sure you're happy. Yeah, that was like, I feel like I was, I think that's where I felt so much. I, you've talked to me. I can't even spit it out, Allie, say the words. <laughs> but like, man, how much guilt did I feel when we went through the corner on men? And I was mm-hmm. just like, shit. Mm-hmm. I literally depended on someone else for my happiness mm-hmm. and stopped doing all of the things mm-hmm. that made me who I was, mm-hmm. that created my happiness. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, why did he dump me? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. <laughs> well, that's that's the thing. And if we look at it logically, yeah, like the things that you were doing mm-hmm. when you first met your partner are the things that magnetically pulled them to you. Mm-hmm. So if you keep doing those things inside of a relationship, it keeps that magnetic pull without smothering the connection. Now, it might alter and shift and change as you grow and as you get older, the things that bring you joy might change. But the key is making sure that on a daily basis, you're doing something that brings you joy, that is independent of your partner, and that they're doing the same. And that you also have time where you devote to building out the connection, the health of the connection. Because a lot of couples just run on default with each other. They get comfortable Mm -hmm. and they get into this whole doing life together where they're like running errands and shit. And that's great, but it kills desire. And so if you're not doing anything that enhances the connection that helps you grow together as a couple, there's going to be a bit of a plateau, a stagnation there. So something that you could do, like this is what Jamie and I do. We have a book club. (laughs) which I mean we're both very nerdy so like we pick a book and we read a chapter a week and then we have a sexy book or like no (laughs) 
<laughs> we're, we're both nerds. So the first one that we read was a money book. Okay. And so we would read a chapter, do the exercises, and then we would come and discuss it with each other. And it's such a great way of building intimacy because when you've read something and you both have access to the same information, how you interpret that information is unique to you. And then when you hear your partner and how they've framed that or made sense of it, it helps you understand them better. It helps you know them better. And it also like opens up this whole perspective of like, huh, I could be with this person for the rest of my life and still learn something new about them every single day. They're so fucking complex. And then that also creates that same understanding on their side. And when there's that little bit of uh, that piece where you're like, I don't quite know everything that there is to know about this person. It intrigues you. And it also keeps you magnetically pulled. So in terms of like going back to dating and all of those dating game, like that's what it's about. It's about being mysterious and like playing these games in a way that's not really helpful. (laughs) But inside of a relationship, if we can remember that human beings are so complex that there's no way that you could ever know everything that there is to know about your partner, even if you spent a lifetime with them, you will always remain a student of your partner. You will always remain curious about your partner and where relationship and partnership dies is when the second we think that we know them and the second we're like, Oh, that's just who they are. I just, I know how they're already going to react. And so we build up these images of who we think that they are. And then we start interacting with the image of who we think they are, not necessarily who they actually are. And so it blocks intimacy. It blocks our capacity to truly be in relationship with our partner as they are when we start building them up in our own mind of who we think that they are, or who we need them to be for us. So by keeping that lens of curiosity and doing something like a book club where you take turns picking a book, um, that that's a really great way to grow together, but also you know have that connection time and also be an endless student who's endlessly curious about your partner. And it it is going to transform the relationship. There are things that you're going to have to outgrow and ways of relating that are not functional that you have to give up in order to sustain a relationship long-term. But all those things can be learned and like they're not damaging to the relationship. And I think the final thing around a relationship that maybe has hit a bit of a lull or you're kind of in a gridlock with each other is understanding that conflict doesn't equal a bad relationship. And what determines a healthy relationship from an unhealthy relationship, the healthy relationship couples understand how to repair conflict. So it's not about the absolving conflict and getting to a place where you never have it. It's about learning the skills to actually repair properly so that you learn and you create more intimacy after a conflict and you don't keep running the same shadow material over and over and over inside of your relationship. So that's my answer. So much stuff. (laughs) (laughs) It's crazy that we've been sitting here talking for an hour and it's literally like skimmed. Oh yeah. I could literally talk for the the rest of my life. I wrote down like 75 other things that we don't have five hours to talk about. So I think I'm just going to have to have you back. Okay. I'll be a regular guest. Okay. Okay. (laughs) We do like coffee, coffee Mondays. Yeah. But I think too to keep people maybe looking out for another episode with you, Mm -hmm. um, talking about like navigating through breakups, Mm -hmm. 
And also being able to like, how do you repair yourself Mm -hmm. if something traumatic has happened Mm -hmm. to you? Because some people Mm -hmm. have actually a few people asked about that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's like its own. Yeah, it's its its own episode. It's its own episode. So Also um, come to my page. Yeah. Because I talk a lot about that on Instagram all the time. Also on my email list, like Mm -hmm. I'll go and give you like little exercises, things that you can do to start repairing and rebooting if there has been a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I am not a fan of withholding the critical information to help you heal. Yeah. I want to give that to you so that you can start healing. And then if down the line, it feels good to work together. Great. Let's do that. But it's not necessary. And so like I do give a lot away on my IGTV, you know, on my Instagram posts, the captions are fucking long, but if you can read them, (laughs) they are worth it. Yeah. Because they, like, I will go through it step by step for you. Yeah. Yeah. So you have your year of love Mm -hmm. for women. Mm -hmm. You've now duplicated and launched the same program for men. Well, it's it's a three month program for men. We will work our way to the year of love mastery (laughs) for men. It's a huge undertaking writing a curriculum that intensive because it does include a module and a call and an assignment. So I just, I don't really want to write it right now (laughs) um, if I'm being totally honest, but we do have a three month self mastery mastermind for men. So that's really self-worth 101 for guys. And we go through things like male loneliness. We go through things like sex and shame. We talk about um, the importance of adventure and exploration, like things that are fundamentally you know, more masculine in terms of what men are dealing with on their side of the fence. And then we have the year of love mastery for women. And that's the intensive that you're in. And that's uh, intensive is a great word. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we have my partner and I are doing a new program. It's called confident dating. So it's a group coaching program, six weeks. And there's two tracks for it. So you have the inner circle track, which includes a group coaching aspect, or there's just the the regular track where you get the content and you kind of go through it. And we do like one Q&A a week mm-hmm. with you. But if you won't actually want coaching and us to help you unpack your actual situation, there's 20 spots in the inner track. And then the rest is, is open-ended. Cool. Um, and then we're going to look at launching like a self-love uh, membership. So on that track, there will be like one self-love class a month and one relationship class a month. And we're going to set that at like 25 bucks a month. And then so. of course people have their one-on-one coaching that you can mm-hmm. do with them. Couples have come to mm-hmm. you. So yeah. you, you do all the things. I do all You're the like things. You're like the love doctor. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I'll take it. Okay. So I'm going to have the link for everyone to contact you. Amazing. And, um, I mean, thanks for coming over for coffee. Uh, thanks for having me. And um, we'll shake hands and call it a good, good day. <laughs> okay. See you later. <laughs> thanks for listening to Unfiltered. Be sure to visit alipintucci.com slash podcast to join in on the conversation, access the show notes, and discover any additional content or resources that we talked about on today's episode. And remember, if you like what you heard today, hit subscribe to make sure that you don't miss out on any future episodes.